Happy New Year's, Harvest Church. Happy New Year. Mm-hmm. It's good to see uh, Ron and DJ. And DJ, as you were leading, I, I was thinking back, it was like in the late 80s when we were going to the boys' school. Remember that? Kind of teams from both churches. And so we got history here and friends here. And just awesome to be with you. And I remember walking through this place, I don't know, maybe a couple of years ago, and this was just an idea with Pastor Steve. And uh, we were talking about the what ifs and should ofs. And you've done a great, great job. Give yourself a hand for. It's an amazing worship space. We were here uh, on Halloween, too, with a group of grandkids and other family friends and all, and you guys did a great job hosting the community and reaching out to the community, and then the Christmas prayed. I just think God's got you strategically placed for great things. Do you believe that? Yeah. And uh, 2023, those things are going to be unfolding for what God has for harvest and for his harvest and his kingdom, and so, again, it's just a privilege to be with you this morning. Um, so I, I, started, I became lead pastor in 94. I was youth pastor and assistant pastor and uh, other things in, at Agape Church. But uh, when I became lead pastor, you know, every year, New Year's would come up and, and I would say, well, what am I going to share on? Maybe something about vision or maybe about New Year's resolutions. And I'd get gung-ho and I'd write down going to read more books. I'm going to lose 20 pounds. I'm going to get, go back to the gym and have all these goals set. But how many know the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak? How many, how many, how many have ever experienced that? And, and you're going to lose 10 pounds and you do, and you gain back 12. And uh, those cycles of I've started a bunch more books, but they're stacked up because I haven't finished more books. And, and that kind of cycles I, I would get into and then I found it's not more about doing more, but it's, it's, it's really about the principle of alignment, just aligning myself with God's heart and trying to seek his will for that season of my life. And so it, it's become for me over the course of several years, this time of year, I, I think about alignment. Now, I don't know how many years ago, seven or eight years ago, we, we live here in Pismo Beach off of James Way and... Um, a friend of ours is a contractor in this area, and he was going to do a job for somebody, and they had this shed in the backyard, and their jacuzzi was under the shed. And so she said, I want it to be a potting shed. Get rid of the jacuzzi. So that jacuzzi came to my house. Hallelujah. <laughs> and, and, and so in my backyard, I got this spa. It's a two-person spa, and I've been spending more time in it as I get a little older. And uh, so, but my favorite seat is like right here, the jets are. And at night, on a clear night, I can see the North Star. It's right up there. And so when I'm in that, the tub and when I'm in that prayer for mode, I'm a visual guy. And so I think about alignment. I think about true north. I think about what, what God's saying to me with all the other noise, all the other distractions, like how to dial in my heart so I'm going after true north. And so today, I, I have something for you. It's about practices and promises, and it's, it's out of Psalm 91, which is really a, a familiar psalm to most of us. But as I read it through again, and I do, you know, fairly often, I just saw some things there, like seven different principles and seven different practices that could help us maybe get aligned as we start a new year. Is that okay? Yeah. And uh, I'm a visual guy, and so I know the kids are in, but... Um, I was a marine biology major first, and then geology major, and then got into theology, and it's a bit of a story. We got involved with youth and fell in love with kids and said, we want to do this forever and not just study rocks in the ground, but rocks in the head and the heart. And so <laughs> we, we made the transition. But in marine biology, have you ever seen a school of fish like that just moving together in a tank and that? Or I was a diver, and so I still remember being at Los Arcos in Puerto Vallarta and, and dove into a, a cove and probably twice as high as this room, but almost as big. There was just a school of fish swimming, but they're all swimming in line like this. And they have these electro sensors in, on the side of them, and they know who's, who's next to them, and one flinches, and they all flinch together. And so when I think about alignment, you know, there's this, this God, God allowed that schooling principle for their safety. When an enemy would come against them, their schooling, they could split real quick. They could confuse the enemy. But also when they turn a certain way, 
they, they go like stealth. You look from the bottom up and you can't even see them because of a reflection. It was a God design. And so in alignment, when we start lining up, and if you can't see back where, this one's got a little crown. This is the Jesus fish. And, <laughs> but, but, but this is us. And, you know, Scripture says in the book of Judges that everybody was doing what they thought was right in their own eyes. Do you think our culture's like that today? That everybody, you cut and paste your theology, you take a little bit out of this, and you take a little bit out of that, and feelings are really big, so a lot of it's how I'm feeling. It's not really tied to truth anymore, it's tied to more like how I'm feeling. And so we can get out of alignment just doing stuff different ways. And I just want to look briefly at these seven principles, and hopefully it'll maybe help you get lined up a little bit more oriented to True North. Can we do that together? Amen. So I didn't have a PowerPoint, got busy, started traveling, so I gave you notes. And uh, in those notes, um, maybe it's something you could use for devotionals as you start your new year. And uh, so we're going to look at those things together. But first of all, let's read Psalm 91. I put it in this notes in the Amplified Version. I'm going to read all the way through the psalm, and then we're going to break it down and uh, see what we can discover. Is that all right? Let's pray. Father, thanks so much for this church, Lord, for its uh, history here in the community. And more so, Lord, I thank you for my history with Steve and Jolene and their family and, and the church family that's here, God. I thank you for your kingdom and just uh, who you use and how you use us individually and collectively. And I pray, God, as we look at these promises that you'd help equip us this morning. Looking ahead at 2023, we don't know what's coming our way. There's all kinds of thoughts of recession. And Lord, we look at the news and another talk of another variant coming through. All that stuff, God, that just leaves question marks in the future. But as we look at your promises, I thank you for helping to establish our hearts. I thank you for helping uh, keep us focused on true north for what you have for us, Lord, and uh, strengthen us, Lord. Establish our hearts through these promises in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Psalm 91, verse 1. He who dwells in the shadow of the Most High will remain secure and rest in the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no enemy can withstand. I love that in the Amplified. Verse 2. I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, with great confidence on whom I will rely. For he will save you from the trap of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you and completely protect you with his pinions, and under his wings you'll find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a wall. You will not be afraid of the terror of night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor of destruction or the sudden death that lays waste at noon. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but danger will not come near you. You will only be a spectator as you look on with your own eyes and witness the divine repayment of the wicked as you watch safely from the shelter of the Most High. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil will befall you, nor will any plague come near your tent. He, for he will command his angels in regard to you to protect and defend and guard you in all your ways of obedience and service. They'll lift you up in their hands so that you do not even strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and cobra, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. And because he set his love on me, therefore I will save him. I'll set him securely on high because he knows my name. He confidently trusts and relies on me, knowing I'll never abandon him. No, never. I love that. Knowing I will never abandon him. No, never. He will call upon me, and I'll answer him. I'll be with him in trouble. I'll rescue him and honor him, and with long life, I'll satisfy him and let him see my salvation. Wow, powerful stuff, amen? amen. So, you know, when you read these words, it, some in, in my mind, I often think of King David when I read these words because it seems like something he would write, but, uh, you know, Jewish historic literature says that this rabbinical literature says that it, these, this psalm was written by Moses. And it was written by Moses right after he finished the tabernacle. And if you know your history, you know, God calls Moses out to be a deliverer. He's got a couple million people with him. He heads to the wilderness and God tells him to build this tabernacle, which is 
kind of like this big tent with a wall around it. And there's a place in front of that tent where they could do sacrifices and they meet to worship and they have people assigned to worship. But it says when those things happen, that God would manifest, that his presence would come down, that fire by, uh, fire by day or by night and the smoke would come up from the sacrifices by day. And that's how God led them. So 40 years Moses is taking this mobile tabernacle through the wilderness, heading for a promised land. And it's within those things that he encountered so much. He encountered uh, enemies that came against him and raided them. He encountered internal strife where the children of Israel were fighting with each other and even to a place where the ground opened up and, and swallowed the people. I mean, Moses went through it. There was just different plagues he had to deal with and on and on. So when you see or the promises here, and when you read the resolve here, it, it's about a guy that's been on a journey through some pretty difficult places. Anybody been on a journey through some difficult places in the last few years? Huh? Nobody? Wow. I'll put up both hands. Man, the last few years, I, I thought th these have been the most challenging ever. And here's a guy that we can read kind of his biography and how he learned to trust God and what he declares about God. And I hope it can help us uh, just strengthen our foundations. Amen? So it talks about the secret place. And let's go to your first point here. He who dwells in the shelter, the secret of the place, the most high, will remain secure and rest in the shadow of the Almighty. That word dwell, say dwell. dwell. What do you think of when I just say dwell? What do you think of? Dwelling. Dwell someplace. Staying. What's that? Comfort. I think, you know, I think about dwelling. I think about like setting up camp. Like you get rooted in that place. You're, you're settled in that place. And so it's not talking about five-minute devotionals on the run. It's talking about a guy who dwells with the Lord, who spends time in his presence if you looked at Exodus 33, 9, this kind of describes what went on when Moses would be in that presence with God. It said, whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the doorway of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tent door, all the people would rise and worship, each at his own tent. And so the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. Wow. This is, this is the God of the universe speaking as a friend to Moses as he would dwell and abide in his presence. How many know we're in a new covenant based on better, better promises? How many know we have the Holy Spirit living in us who wants to commune with us and dwell with us and speak to us and lead us and guide us as we would tune our ear towards him and try and shut out the noise and all the confusion around us? We have a God that wants to abide with us. Jesus said in John 15, he talked about abiding. He said, that's the key when you and me learn to abide and let his word abide in us. And so being led and what we can see from the first point here is that, that God called Moses into an ab abiding relationship. And I don't think it was just God wanting to meet with him because, okay, Moses, I'm giving you more instructions and more laws for these rebellious people. <laughs> when I read it, it says he's looking for a friend. God would appear to Moses as a friend. And how much more you and me, Jesus called his disciples friends. Tell the person next to you, you look like a friend of God to me. Can you do that? <laughs> Come on, let's, 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 read this. let's read this first declaration together. It says, I declare I will pursue personal time getting to know the Lord and abiding in his presence. If I was going to align myself, I would set, start by saying, I, I'm just going to try and find and make more time intentionally to abide with the Lord in this upcoming season. Amen? Well, let's look at point number two. It's out of verse two. And this is what Moses said. He said, I'll say of the Lord, he's my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust with great confidence and on whom I rely. So he, he's saying, I abide with the Lord, but when I abide with him, and my heart gets filled with his presence, my words change. And so I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say that the Lord's my refuge. I'm not just thinking the thoughts. I'm not just in the crowd and they have opinions. But I'm going to say, for me, I'm making the Lord my refuge and my fortress. And he says, my God. 
Say, my God. Now, you can talk about other people's gods and who they serve, but he's saying, this is my God in whom I trust with great confidence and whom I rely. How many believe your words have power? And so when I think about alignment, it's what we're believing in our heart. But, but Paul said, I, I believe, therefore I spoke. He said, the abundance, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so what you fill your heart with is going to start coming out of your mouth. And the words you speak can align with what God says and the principles of what God says, or they can be sideways with what God says. You can actually be denying the things he's spoken over you and the things he's called us to just by the words we're saying and the words we're sharing. And I I know just in, in times past what it does to my heart when I start just praying and worshiping and praising in alignment with I know what God has spoken and what he's what he said. Now, just last year, this past year, I went through a health deal. I, uh, I, I, for quite a while, I felt like I was having this indigestion thing going on. And so it was, you know, like right in here, I thought it was an esophagus thing, and I had a scope, and there's nothing wrong. And, and so I, I picked up this little book. It was called God's Promises for Healing. And in my hot tub in the morning, take this little book. And I started reading it, and it had these scriptures in there that you would just start speaking and confessing. And so I probably read through that whole book at least eight times, and part of it, I just started getting hold of those promises, saying, God, I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to believe you, and I'm praying through this book. And right after that, I had my annual cardiology appointment, and prior to that, I've been doing good. I swim, I exercise. You know, I can tell by this bod, it's... It's not a fasted body, I know, but, uh, but you know, I, I was eating okay, and, but I'm still feeling this weird pain. So I go to the cardiology appointment, and uh, they, he does the treadmill test, and at the end of that, he says, I don't really like what I'm seeing here. Kind of surprised me. That was on a Thursday. He said, come back Tuesday. I come back Tuesday, and do they do the angiogram? They inject you with that dye, and then he said, uh, you don't have indigestion. You have a 90% blockage in your widowmaker artery. Surprise. And then he said, my, uh, my partner's in surgery right now. He's got two guys in the queue. And I want you to go today, and we're going to fix that. And so within a couple hours, I'm up having heart surgery, awake. They put this little camera up here. I'm awake watching part of this. You nod off, wake up. Whoa, not off. And they're trying to keep you asleep because he kept saying, quit moving your arm. And so, so anyway, th- this is what happens. So that happens. I spend one night in the hospital. It's only the second time in my life I've spent a night in the hospital. But the next day I'm out. And the next day after that, I'm back to work. And, and, and it was this thing that I thought, okay, God, when we live in alignment with you and I'm asking for help and I'm asking for wisdom and now I look back a few weeks and you guided me and you led me and now I'm fixed and I'm on the treadmill and everything's working perfect and I'm just grateful for that, that as we live in that alignment, we ask for help that he does order our steps, amen? Some confidence for all of us, amen? In the, in the same little booklet, I was talking about our words and what we speak and how it impacts our health and it said in, the, in an article entitled Patients Know Best, it appeared in, a while ago in the 91 Reader's Digest, but it says this, a person's answer to this question, is your health excellent, good, fair, or par- par- poor, is a remarkable predictor of who will live or die over the next four years, according to new findings. A study of more than 2,800 men and women, 65 and older, found that those who rate their health poor are four or five times more likely to die in the next four years than those who rate their health excellent. This was the case even if examinations show the respondents to be in comparable health. So here they've all taken blood tests, blood work, all that. They say, you you all look like you're about in the same health, but four or five years later, the people that were saying and believing that they were in poor health... uh, we're dying at quite a bit higher rate. And this is what it says. These findings are supported by a review of five other large studies totaling 23,000 people, which reach similar conclusions, according to Ellen Eidler. She's a sociologist at Rutgers University. They said this, people that have an image of themselves being in poor health will talk about poor health. Even though they may be in good health, they seem to live out the reality of the image they have of themselves even unto death. 
Now, that's pretty crazy that you just, what you think about yourself, what you're saying about yourself, that self-talk sometime that we're not managing, we're just letting anybody's words and anything around us impact what we're meditating on and what we're believing, those things can have negative effect on our health. So even more so, God, what do you say? Lord, you said with long life you'd satisfy me. Lord, you've told me and instructed me certain things throughout my life, how to live and line up with you. And I'm going to follow those things, trusting your report. Amen? Amen. Anybody with me? Let's read this together, that confession there or that alignment. My words have power. I will confess and declare he is my strength and protector. His faithfulness will be a shield around me. Amen? Point number three, let's keep going. Point number three, I'm not going to be afraid. Verse uh, five, Psalm 91, you will not be afraid of the terror of night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that stalks at darkness, nor the destruction, the sudden death that lays waste at a noon. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but danger will not come near you. It says you'll not be afraid. And I don't know about you, but this last season has been really marked by fear that people are afraid of COVID and afraid of the other things that you know, are happening in culture and society and anxiety levels reported the highest levels that you know, often that they've even been recording over the last several generations that this generation, the younger ones, there's anxiety and fear that are really impacting them. And here he says, you'll not be afraid. There's something about fear. It's, to me, it's, fear is it's, it's largely a choice. It's what you're meditating on and what you fill your heart full of that really can impact the anxiety and fear that we can experience. Sometimes, you know, people have been traumatized, and so it's not really a choice. Things get triggered because of past things. But for most of us, what we're filling our heart with and our minds with, what we're watching allowed to get into our, our soul or spirit is, is causing either peace or it's producing fear. And it's initiated and sustained what, what, what we're feeding on. When bad things happen around you, you don't have to buy into the narrative. It's going to happen to you too. And so when the news bombards us and you hear words of pandemic, what, what I liked about this psalm, he said that Moses said, even if I see a thousand fall on that side, and 10,000 on that side, I don't have to lump myself in there with them because I have a covenant with God. I am following God. I'm doing my best to walk in alignment with God. And so to instantly say, because everybody else in the, the community is getting the flu, oh, I know it's coming to my house. I know it's coming to get me. Don't lump yourself in with them. You have to see, say to yourself, I'm, I'm going to live in alignment the best I can with God. And it's not a work thing. It's a positions thing. Lord, I'm going to position myself in you and trust your protection and trust your help. And, uh, you know, I've, I've had people say, well, Mike, you say that, but I know good people have died. So do I. And people that have gone through tough things, you know, bad things happening to these good people, it's hard to understand. I, I, I get that. But... If something goes where I, you know, different than I think, and I end up in heaven sooner, I'd still rather stand before Jesus and say, God, I trusted your word. Jesus, I stood on your word. Jesus, I, I, I did my best to believe you and to stay in that covering and to, and to believe what you promised. And, you know, it's, it's hard to explain we're talking about miracles here where people miraculously get healed sometimes and others of us have to go through things and it's a progressive where we're getting better. I, I don't understand why miracles for some people happen instantly and others it's a process. All I know, I'm gonna do my best just to keep my heart aligned with what God has promised and fill my heart, try and keep my heart right before God. Is that okay? So let's look, uh, you know, if praise fills your heart instead of, uh, just the, the reports around us, praise filling your heart, you meditating on God's promise, and you feed on his love. To me, wh what happens when some bad things or negative things are coming my way, I, I examine my heart and I sometimes get those thoughts, well, I'm, you know, I'm just not worthy of God's blessing. Now I'm still messing up too much. I'm, I'm not living perfect enough. It's, it's not about living perfect enough. Nobody does it perfect enough. This thing's by grace through faith, amen? We're saved by grace through faith. It's a matter of being able to receive from him, not earn things from him. 
So it's about being in the right position and having our heart filled makes that difference or helps make that difference. Are you okay with that? You know, Psalm 91 has been called the soldier's prayer. And I've read stories from World War I, World War II, Vietnam, from the Gulf War about soldiers who've taken Psalm 91 and began to pray that as a platoon or as a group of people and how God has brought protection. But this story right here, I'm just going to share it with you because I, 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 it's large scale, just about when a community or a country gets united, believing God for his protection, what can happen. And it's called the Miracle of Dunkirk. It began with Germany invading Poland in September of 1939. France and the British Empire responded by declaring war on Germany shortly thereafter. Very little happened for about eight months, and then in May of 1940, Germany invaded Belgium, the Netherlands, and France. Three tank divisions rolled through the Andrinus Forest in France, headed for the English Channel. By May 21st, over 300,000 British troops were trapped on the beaches and in the harbors of Dunkirk, France. The German army was less than 12 miles away, and the British and French troops were backed up against the English Channel with nowhere to go. On May 26, 1940, the King of England called for the entire nation to pray fervently for the trapped soldiers. Winston Churchill told the British public they would only be able to rescue less than one-tenth of those soldiers. The Nazis had sunk so many British ships in the harbor that destroyers and large military vessels could not get into the harbor. Even if they could, the beaches were so shallow that the large ships could not get close enough for the men to swim to them, and Hitler's army was advancing rapidly, both with tanks and airplanes, and all seemed hopeless. But with the nation of England praying fervently, I just want to read that again. With the nation of England praying fervently, this author says, a funny thing happened. One of Hitler's generals ordered the advancing army of tanks to halt. Hitler even confirmed the order because he and the generals were afraid that too many tanks would be lost in the swamp, swampy ground around Dunkirk. Instead, Hitler decided to send in the Luftwaffe to shoot the soldiers from the air. And as England continued to pray, as England continued to pray, another funny thing happened. A dense fog rolled in, grounding most of the Luftwaffe's planes. And then yet another funny thing happened. The 21 miles of open water separating the Eng England from France suddenly went as flat and calm as a pond, and every boat that would float and was sent from England to Dunkirk to rescue those soldiers. Over 700 fishing boats, pleasure craft, and merchant marine craft participated, and some of the planes were able to get through the fog to bomb and strafe the beaches, but listen to this. But great numbers of the soldiers there had memorized Psalm 91, and they weren't just praying it, they were shouting it at the top of their lungs. Well, among them was a young chaplain who later told how he laid on the open beach for what seemed like forever as bullets and shrapnel rained down all around him. Stunned and dazed by the deafening roar of the concussions around him, he stood up in amazement to find not a scratch on him and perfect outline of his body in the sand, he said the only, it was the only smooth and undisturbed spot on the entire beach, bullet-riddled beach. In the end, 338,226 British and French soldiers were rescued from Dunkirk over a period of nine days. That was a full-on miracle. A praying people, a nation that's on their knees praying to God and, and a leader that says, we're not just going to fight this with natural thoughts and bigger budgets. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go to our, our Lord. We're going to go on our knees and ask God for intervention and God to move. Now, takeaways, what if, what if in America, instead of all our divisiveness and all our political uh, wrangling back and forth, the nation was called to pray? What if we would get serious before God and we would pray for solutions and we would pray for God's intervention? How many believe some things could turn around? That's why I'm believing for a spiritual awakening and a spiritual revival. Anybody with me that would, would call us and motivate us to pray and that our leaders would get a clue that this thing's not a flesh and blood thing. There's a spiritual battle going on that can be addressed and, and changed by a praying church and a praying people. Amen? So read number three with me. It says, I will resist this fear no matter what the circumstances are around me, choosing to trust the Lord as the one who makes and keeps his covenant. Amen? 
So that's getting in alignment with him and choosing not to be afraid, but choosing to stand up and believe his promises. The next one, point four, is the help of angels. Verse nine says, because you've made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place, no evil's going to befall you, nor will any plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels regards to you and protect and defend and guard you in all your ways of obedience and service. You know, when I think about this, it's just, again, a heart orientation where I've made my heart, my life, God's dwelling place. What it means to me is I have to have open house towards the Lord and say, Holy Spirit, when I'm praying, Holy Spirit, if you see things in me, Holy Spirit, if there's some things that need to change that's, that's blocking what you want to do, I just give you rain here. And I, I invite you to help me make the changes. Because I, I found in my life, you know, the big changes have happened incrementally. It comes by new insights and revelation where he speaks. And sometimes when he wants my attention and he wants a major change, he, he, he speaks things repetitively because sometimes I'm hard of hearing anybody else. Anybody else sometimes a little hard? God, you got to say that again. And I need another confirmation. And he's faithful to do that. But when, when I live like open house in my heart towards him, I, I, I see things happen. And here he says, for he will command his angels in regard to you. Now, I know a lot of Christians that are real quick and real sensitive to the devil. Well, the devil's doing this, and the devil's attacking here. But what I read in Scripture, a, a thousand or a third of the angels fell, and those became the demonic forces. That means two-thirds of them are left. And, and God said, they're his angels. They're his messengers that are, that are sent out on your behalf and my behalf. How many have ever felt an angelic, in, you know, intervention where you felt like you know, some hands going up, where you know that God moved and God did something to, to rescue me. We don't even know how many times he's done that that we're not even aware of, but that he loves us as father and that he's looking out for us. A couple ones that stand out to me is my son, Josh. This was a father-son project several years ago. We bought a basket case Honda 450 and put it back together. He put it back together. I just paid for stuff and, 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 and got this Honda running. And so he says, I'm going to go out to Allie's house. We live in Pismo. He's going out towards Cor Corbett Canyon and it's dusk. And I just say this, hey, I just came out of my spirit. Hey, Josh, ride with the angels. Well, about, uh, I don't know, half hour, 45 minutes later, he calls me up and he says, hey, dad, on my way to Allie's house, I hit a deer on my motorcycle. And I'm thinking, uh-oh. And he said, I, I killed the deer, Dad, but nothing happened. I didn't even tip over, Dad. I mean, it's like I was protected. I said, well, I prayed that little prayer. Ride with the angels. Ride with the angels. <laughs> Alignment. Anyway, th that was one case, but I still remember my son, Jeff, who had a Trans Am, a car I never really wanted him to get. And he was up on Perfumo Canyon, and he went off the road in P Perfumo Canyon. I got the 1230 at night call. And he's telling me what happened, and he said he was trying to miss a deer. And uh, not sure if he was just power sliding around turns or what, but he, he told me, Dad, I, I went off the road, and he goes, it was like something, I was going offside, it was like something took me and set me down. I landed on all four wheels, and we're fine. He was with another friend, and we're fine. I just got to figure out how to get my car back up on the road. Well, I was glad that that car was totaled. Was that answered the prayer? <laughs> That car, the, it bent the frame, but didn't hurt the people, praise God. The only thing that was good is the engine in it. And he got 500 bucks for the engine. But, and then he got a much smaller, slower car anyway. But ju just seeing God's protection, intervention. I've been on several mission trips where I, I felt like God's intervened. We prayed and we were in the Philippines with a youth group. This is 1988. There's nine teenagers, three adults. And we we're going, hip hop had just come in and some of these kids... They were from our church in the Bay Area, black kids, just dancers. We would go place to place under just say no to drugs, and they'd do the routine, and I'd share, and we'd share the gospel, and people came to the Lord. Well, we went out to a fishing village to do this in late afternoon, did our, our demonstration, our performance. We're heading back. This boat's got two pontoons on it, and then a center little platform where everybody was sitting, this one shaft comes out of this little weak engine that's going boom, 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 you know, pump boat. And uh, we're, sun's going down, and, you know, it's probably still half mile away. The engine starts failing. Boom, 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 boom. Well, they get it started. Boom, 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 boom. Get a little closer. Boom, 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 boom. The engine's failing. 
I'm watching the sun go down. The island's this way, and we're drifting this way out into open water. And so I, I took my shirt off. I was going to get on the pontoon, start paddling. The Philippine guys are going, no, no, sharks, sharks. No, 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 no. So back in the boat and uh, <laughs> watching the sun go down. The boat's going this way. The land's over there, open water out that way. And, and we, we prayed a couple times, but I'm watching this thing as we're drifting and pretty soon, instead of drifting this way, the boat starts drifting that way, and it drifts right into this little bay or this harbor. And to this day, I still can't figure out why the current's headed that way and why we ended in there unless God intervened for us. And so me and the pastor took off across, found a Jeep to get us all back. And, and to this day, I'm just thanking God that he, his angels are given charge over us. One time I was walking on Pismo Beach. Where is it? Walking on Pismo Beach in the morning praying and uh, just thinking about the Lord and that. And I looked down on the sand, and this little silver angel wing just sitting right on top of the sand, and the whole beach right there. And I picked it up, and it's been with me for 10 years. Just a reminder that he gives his angels charge over us. Do you believe that? And so I, I don't know about you, but I'm developing more faith in God's ability to protect and the enemy's ability to harass and destroy. Anybody with me this morning? So, okay, let's read point four together, and that we got to finish this up. I will pursue making his life my life, abiding in him and inviting his Holy Spirit to live in me and through me. And he said he'd send his angels to protect us. Do you believe that? Yes. Amen. Look at the next one, point five. Because he has set his love on me, therefore I will save him. I will set him securely on high. So when we look at promises, often in God's word, there's his part, what he promised to do, and then there's our part, the positioning or the responding in obedience to what he called us to do. And this promise, he said, because he has set his love on me, therefore I will save him, I'll set him securely on high. When I think about that promise, I will save him, you know, salvation's instant when we see Jesus into our Lord and Savior, but there's also this the saving of the soul because that word save means well-being. There, there's a shift. There's something that happens in our life and heart when we begin to serve Jesus. And just like what we would call sanctification, this thing is progressive. As God begins to deal with deeper things sometimes and, and heals those deeper things, then he moves us on to other things that he starts removing from our life and replacing them with his character, replacing them with things of the spirit because he's got a plan for us. And, and I like this. You, you have a choice what you set your love on. But he said, I, because he or she has set his or her love on me, therefore I'm going to save him. And I, I think in this terms, I'm going to keep him in that progressive plan to draw him closer to me, to understand what it means to be fully loved and to be able to give that love away. This process is... By choice, Lord, I'm, I'm going to set my love on you. It says in Jude, just one chapter, Jude one twenty, it, it talks about keeping yourself in the sphere of God's love, praying in the Holy Spirit. In other words, we, we have choices. We can keep ourselves under that umbrella, under that sphere of God's love. And he said, I'm going to set him securely on high. And so this thing to me, like when Jesus said, I've come to give you abundant life, the thief, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've came to give you life and life abundantly. Just, just keeping myself in the, the sphere of God's love and just trying my best to, to honor him and to love him. But then, Lord, you said, you know, the cross is this way. There's the, there's the vertical and then there's the horizontal. And so when we get this right vertically where we're loving God and sense his love coming back, that should extend to those around us. That's the horizontal love that we have for one another. Amen? And he said, because he set his love on me, I'm going to save him. And again, salvation is deliverance. It means provision, protection. The word sozo, he said, I'll save him, but I'm going to set him securely on high. When I think about high, it means a different vantage point. When he sets you on high, it means you get a different view of life. You get different insights into life. It's not down here with just the thoughts and all the carnal stuff that goes on in the world. No, Scripture says, Isaiah 55, his thoughts are not our thoughts. They're higher thoughts. And so as we learn to love a man, I just believe there's a higher way to live. Do you? And so let's read this five, number five. I will endeavor to maintain my love for him and his people 
being intentional to love him through obedience, through repentance when I fall short, and through acts of compassion towards others. How many know that Jesus is moved with compassion? I was praying in Shelby just a few years ago, and, and I, I just have an amazing time with the Lord. I was reading this book called Apprehended. It was about a missionary in Mexico. And then I heard just the Lord speak to my heart. He said, how do you um, feel my presence the most? And I said, it's, it's through your compassion. And then he just spoke to my heart and said, this, this next season of ministry is going to be marked with my compassion. And that's when uh, some things changed. The missions things closed down. And I became a hospice chaplain for about 14, 15 months. And I learned so much about compassion. But that, that heart of compassion that Jesus has when we say, Lord, I want to abide in your love. And I want you to love me, show me how to love and love through me. Just amazing things can happen. Amen. Point number six, we'll wrap this up, the power of his names. Verse 14 in Psalm 91 says, because he knows my name, he confidently trusts and relies on me, knowing I will never abandon him, no, never. There, there's something about knowing his names, plural. Moses on his travel with this tabernacle, this mobile uh, meeting place, uh, over 40 years, you can read through his stories how God revealed his names on this journey. There's times when God showed up and he revealed himself as the almighty God, the almighty God. And then where he revealed himself as Jehovah, Jehovah Shalom, God, your peace. Jehovah Rapha, God, your healer. And Jehovah Jireh, your provider. Jesus revealed God as father, a good father who delights in, in revealing and giving his kingdom to his children. And so the psalmist Moses writes here as through my journeys with God, because he, you know his name, you confidently trust and rely in it, knowing that you'll never be abandoned, no, never. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to come to you. And aren't you glad for that? He's a, not an absentee father. He's with us. He's dedicated to us. He just didn't birth you into this thing and say, no, good luck. I'll see you at the end, the finish line. No, he's committed to you and me. He's, he's going to father us. He's going to be with us. He's never going to abandon us. And I like that. Because he knows my name and relies on me, I'll never abandon him. No, never. Tell your neighbor you're never going to be abandoned. So say, never going to be abandoned. No, never. No, never. So that lie that comes to us that God says that, you know, you know the, the enemy says God's not coming through for you this time. Nope, that's a lie. He said he would never abandon me. Amen? Amen. Okay, let's read that number six together. I will honor and declare the name of Jesus in my praise as a key to enforcing victory over the enemy. And last but not least, I will live a satisfied life. Verse 15 in, uh, in, our, in our psalm there, it says, He will call upon me and I'll answer him and I'll be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him with long life, I'll satisfy him, and I'll let him see my salvation. I, I just know that living in alignment with him, just doing my best to get my heart attitudes and just my words lined up and just my love for other people, just, just thinking about alignment, because I'm a visual guy. That's my, my uh, pastor, lead pastor now, Jeff Bauer, I, I gave him something like this when he became lead pastor and talked about being able to lead against the flow when people are trying to go this way and you're trying to get them to come into alignment. And so he had these fish, I bought them, and, uh, I, but I think about that visually. And so I was at Home Goods not too long ago and they had, I got my own set. I should say, <laughs> I got my own fish. And they're on my, my, up on my bookshelf because I look at that and I think about alignment, what it means to live in alignment with him, amen? And because he said he will call upon me and I'm gonna answer him and I'll be with him or her in trouble, what a powerful thing. He, he's saying that I'll be with you in trouble and I will rescue you and I will honor you. Not just rescue you and scold you, not rescue you and beat you up for why did you make that stupid decision no, he, he said, you're going to look to me, and I'm going to rescue you, but I'm going to honor you. 
Another, I'm training you. At the end process of all these things you're going to go through, and you're going to call on me, and I'm going to get you out of these things, but we're going to build a relationship. It's going to be a relationship of trust. And how many know God gets glory when, when he moves on our behalf and we get to tell stories? I get to stand up and tell stories about how faithful God's been and how he delivers. He gets glory from that stuff, amen? And so it says, with long life, he will satisfy us and reveal his salvation. Ushers, uh, communion's out. We're going to get ready for communion. So I want to invite the team to come back up. Let's read this seven together. I'll continue to declare the testimonies of the Lord as he faithfully displays his goodness and power in my life. Quick summary. Here we go and we're done. Summary, seven practices. Because you dwell and abide in a secret place with the Lord and because you speak and agree with his word that he is your protection, your refuge and fortress and because you continue to put your trust in him and because you have made the Lord most high your habitation and because you've set your love upon him and because you know and declare his name and because you call upon him for support and intervention, the Lord, your protector, declares, I will rescue you, deliver and cause you to escape. I will protect you, set you on a high place. I will answer you. I'm going to respond to you and speak to you. I'll be with you in trouble, in afflictions and distress. I will deliver you to bring you into safety and honor you to make you strong and heavy with favor and honor and with long life. I will satisfy you to have an abundant, fulfilling life in adventures with me and show you my salvation. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right. You're ready to receive communion together as we start a new year? Come on, just stand up with me for a minute and open your communion cup, and we're just going to seal the deal with communion this morning. Yes. Anybody need communion that didn't get it coming in? Great. Thank you for the reminder. Are we all right? We doing okay? All right. When we think about abiding, communion is an awesome time and a place to do that. Is it not? And Jan, can you help me? My fingernails. I chewed them all off. Oh, there we go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Everybody got communion? Hmm. Father, what a privilege just to meet to this morning, starting a new year. And uh, Father, just thank you for new, new seasons, new time, God, for... Renewing hope, those have been through difficult stuff this year and just so glad to have uh, 2022 behind them. Lord, I thank you for fresh hope. Your word says that your mercies are new every morning. And so I thank you for just expectation of better things. And uh, Lord, even through the difficult things that you guide and you lead and just having the confidence that you're with us, having the confidence that no, no temptations overtaken as scripture says that is common to man but that in it Lord you provide you plan you give us a way of escape a way through and I, I pray that we would just have great confidence in those things and as we're uh, reading through your psalms I thank you for Psalm 91 and the promises there I pray that our hearts would be established and uh, you promised to feed us. We take this bread because you promised to feed us. Thanks for feeding us things that will encourage us and strengthen us. And uh, thank you for covenant with you, Lord. And we take this bread just remembering, Jesus, what you said. And as you gave it to your disciples, that you are the bread of life and that we eat together in your name. Amen. Maybe I should have shared this before we started with communion, but there might be people here that uh, you don't know the Lord or you've drifted from the Lord. 
And uh, when I think of the, the, the wine or the juice, I think about the miracle Jesus did where he took dishwater. He took these pots of dishwater. He was at a wedding feast, and they ran out of wine. And he took this common water, and he, and he turned it into fine wine, so much so that they said, man, you saved the best wine for last. And, you know, that's what God does in all of our life. We're just these kind of broken vessels and sometimes filled with polluted water. And, and the Lord does that miracle when we turn to him and when we receive him into our life of making that change, making that, you know, just refining and changing and filling us with his, his precious life. And if you haven't done that and never received Jesus as your Savior or maybe you've drifted away and it's a new year, you're here because you want a fresh start. I should have prayed this prayer before we started, but I want to do it before we take this cup. Is just ask you, if you're, if you're away from the Lord, come on, church, pray with me right now. Or, or if you're away from the Lord or you, you recognize, Mike, I, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need a fresh start. I, I want to receive Jesus into my heart and get in that position of alignment with him. Can you just raise your hand? No embarrassment, no judgment. I just want to know if there anybody here this morning. God bless you, man. Back there. Anybody else that would just say, I need to make Jesus Lord of my life or get fresh alignment with him? Anybody else? God bless you. Praise God. God bless you. Father, you see these hands and uh, Lord, you see more importantly their hearts and those that raise their hands, we're going to pray along with you right now. We're going to just make this fresh commitment and just ask the Lord to come in in a new way, a fresh way in our lives. And uh, I know we're in the middle of communion, but let's pray together and then we'll finish this as a covenant cup together. Let's pray this. Heavenly Father, I acknowledge that I've sinned against you, that I've tried to do things my own way. And I confess that as sin. And I ask that you would forgive me and cleanse me. And Jesus, I invite you into my life to be my Lord and Savior. I want to live in alignment with you. I thank you for that. A fresh start, a new beginning in 2023. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Well, then we're going to do a toast out of Jude 20. Jude 20 is the last right before we get revelation. And, and the, Jude writes there, he says, to him who is able to keep you from falling and present you blameless. We're going to toast to that right now. Amen. Lord, thank you for your covenant. Thank you for being with us and your hand over our lives to keep us from falling and to keep moving forward in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God. All right, worship team, we're going to go out with a song. Let's do it. Praise the Lord. <laughs>